Mike one, Mike one. Isn't this a lot of fun? Two, 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 two. Did you, America? Well, hello there. Welcome to another edition of Did You America? He's Jeremy. I'm Ian Camfield. You are listening to Season 2, Episode... I love Lamp. Uh, <laughs> if you want to count the old episodes and maybe even listen to a few of them, they're available on our website, didyouamerica.com. It's also where you can vote for Song of the Week or get one of our lovely Did You America t-shirts or talk to the show. And you know what, Jeremy? Um... Because I keep on keeping a note of people who've communicated with us and then we start talking about other stuff and I don't get round to their communications, I'm going to start with listener feedback on today's episode. Nice, let's do it. Um, they love me, right? Everyone loves you. Of course. They say that sexy, fat, Walter Becker-looking guy. I, I've been hearing that my whole life. Um, so... Joe reached out. Now, to be honest, in the couple of days since the previous episode and this one, I have spent most of my time arguing with Joe on Twitter. Oh, one of those. Well, Joe's one of these Oasis fans. Oh, no. And some Oasis fans have a problem with me suggesting that they made two good albums at the start of their career and everything since then has been patchy at best. So this guy, Joe, heard the last episode and was like, oh, they're talking about me with all this hate. Well, the thing is... Not hate, excuse me. Joe. Joe, Joe kind of started an argue, argument with me, and like most people who argue with me about Oasis, eventually they come around to my way of thinking. They, they, <laughs> like, they, oh, I was wrong they the whole time. They, they, yeah, they just need to see the light. So in the previous episode, I said, well, Oasis are finally now doing what I said they should do, because it has been my assertion that if you took the good songs on the Oasis albums after Morning Glory, you would have enough good songs to make one good-ish album. And about a week or so ago, they announced Oasis, the best of the 2000s, was going to be released. And I said, see, that's the album. They were like, Camfield, great idea. Yeah, you, you can thank me later, Liam. Okay. Actually, actually, I've changed my mind. You can thank me now. Right now, with a couple points on whatever this album does. Well, there's the, the story uh, develops further. So Joe comes back to me and goes, oh, shut up, Canfield, blah, 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 standing on the shoulder of giants, which is one of those shit albums that came after Morning Glory. You right? anti-Oasite. So I said, uh, yeah, 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 that's one of them. And he goes... Uh, I forget which two songs it was, but he goes, well, there were two songs he picks. He goes, such and such song that started the, their shows for X amount of years. And one other song that I think was a single from Don't Believe the Truth or I can't remember which one it was. Anyway, my point is, is he picked a bad Oasis album and pointed out two good songs from that album. And I said, Joe, you're supporting my argument. I didn't say every album was shit from start to finish. I said there's enough good songs on every album after Morning Glory where if you took all the good songs and put them together, you could have one good album. So we've got two songs from that album. In defense of Joe, 
can't you say that about most artists? Like, even with some of the best albums of all time, all of a sudden you're like, what is track seven? No I, one's ever listened to I, this. I, I concur, but with some of the best artists of all time, they normally have a run of more than just two good albums. <laughs> that's That's my point. Absolutely they, a, An artist always is going to peak. I constantly argue with my buddy Chris about Iron Maiden's material post-2000, Right. Chris is an Iron Maiden fan who's 50, right? And he can't deal with Iron Maiden's material post-2000. And I always say to him, it's because he remembers their 80s output more fondly because back in the 80s, his back didn't ache and his knee worked properly. That's a thing that people of a certain age, they always think stuff was better back in the day when their bones were more functional, <laughs> right. right? You can't rock out properly in your 50s. Right, but so, but my point, but, but in the end, we always kind of agree on the same point. I say to him, I don't claim that Iron Maiden's output post-2000 is better than the 80s. They clearly peaked in the 80s. What I claim is the post-2000 output isn't as inferior compared to the 80s as my buddy Chris claims. And I say that he claims it because he's a good 10 years older than me. And I haven't got to the point where my bones are aching as much of his. And that kind of changes my perspective. But the point is, clearly every band, and it's normally early on, have a peak period. And if the band carries on past the peak period, the standard of quality won't be as good. But does it drop dramatically? And in the case of Oasis, I say, I rally against Oasis because the quality A, dropped dramatically, and B, was only sustained for two albums. So, I mean, that makes them one better than the Sex Pistols. Agreed. So at the end of this online argument was the person like, you know what, you're right, Oasis sucks, Blur is way better, (laughs) woohoo. No, actually, Joe contributes a good update to uh, to Did You America. So I said to Joe, well, you're supporting my argument. You've, you've picked an album and you've told me there's two good songs on it. And I, you know, there's pro- I think there's five albums after the first two. So if you pick two good songs from each of those albums, that's 10 songs. There's your best of. Right? There you go. See? Greatest hits. Anyway, then, uh, because Oasis just let everyone down because they're a bunch of work-shy Brits, after I've spent literally the last two days back and forth with a, a tw- Twitter argument, I mean, my Twitter argument with Joe over the past two days was was like 2020 Trump versus Fauci. It was back and forth, back and forth. Occasionally we agreed, then we didn't. Then I said he should be arrested. Just wait till we see Joe's emails. <laughs> Good political joke. You like that? You like that. But it's... <laughs> um, then, in a sort of Trump versus Fauci type conclusion where you go, well, maybe it wasn't all worth it. Joe forwards me an article from NME.com saying that Oasis aren't releasing the best of the 2000s album after all. <laughs> anyway, right? And you know why they're not releasing it? Because Liam and Noel couldn't agree on something. Wow, who, who would have thought? I think what they probably couldn't agree on, just for one last thing to slam Oasis, is... Uh, Maybe Liam said, well, if we're doing the best of the 2000s, I want songs from BDI included. Did, oh, it, did BDI, do you know, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So when, when Noel went, you know what? I'm, I'm done with you. I write all the songs. I'm just going to go and sing them on my own because I can't deal with you. Oasis without Noel Gallagher became BDI. And I know that, like, it was Oasis without the songwriter, but it really sounded like Oasis without the songwriter, <laughs> right? So... Oh, I lost my train of thought. It's gone. BDI was like, 
if you went to a pub in North London in the 2000s to see an Oasis tribute band at 10 o'clock on a Friday night, BDI was what that tribute band would have been, but worse. Well, maybe an Oasis fight caused this album not to happen, but maybe, once again, it was our cosmic powers, you know? We talk about this album basically being like a who gives a shit, but, you know, okay, good on them, and then, what do you know? The whole world decides who gives a shit, and they're not making it. Well, yeah, maybe. I mean, maybe I need to... Well, what you're saying there is I need to drop my assessment of Oasis, because I was giving them what I think is the benefit of the doubt by saying if you pull one or two tracks from each of the albums, after Morning Glory, you've got a good album. That would have been the best of the 2000s. Noel Gallagher may just be making a convenient excuse because it's very believable that him and Liam would have had a falling out. Maybe Noel played 10 songs from the 2000s and went, my God, this is shit. Let me ask you this. Did any of our fans reach out and answer the question about Kenny Rogers' death? Yes. Okay. Paul. Paul messaged regarding Kenny Rogers and Oasis. All right. Paul says, just finished the uh, latest episode, which is not this one, it's the one before. One, from a marine friend of mine, it's a faux pas to say happy Memorial Day. Even if you're drunk? To a serviceman. Okay, they get drunk. Well, I guess it depends on what you want from the serviceman at the time. Sad Memorial Day, sir. Well, I... I You just go, Memorial Day. (laughs) Right. Tip your hat. One of my friends suggested that maybe it might be a better turn of phrase to wish put someone a peaceful Memorial Day. I think that's a good thing. Don't kill anyone today, sir. Well, saying peaceful implies that. It's a nicer (laughs) way of saying that. I feel you. Also... Americans love three-word phrases. Don't kill anyone today, sir, is five. Peaceful Memorial Day, three. Good call, it it good works call. better on three all, is better all, than all five accounts. Always. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, Paul also writes to say, per Wikipedia, Kenny Rogers died of natural causes. Nah. I told you, Kenny Rogers died of being 80-something. COVID didn't kill him. That damn Wikipedia, the conservative media <laughs> trying to lie to you people. Although, after the previous episode, uh, when I realized that Jeremy had never heard Ruby Don't Take Your Love to Town, I, I played it to him after we'd finished recording, and I think we can agree that the, the, how that song has not been me too I've got no idea. It gave me nightmares. I thought Kenny Rogers was going to kill me in my sleep you, last night. Right, really? You thought you were his hot wife trying to go out to get some sex. That's another he- thing I look like, apparently. <laughs> Kenny Rogers' hot wife. And you thought Kenny Rogers was in a wheelchair without any legs that worked, I loading, his, dreams, <laughs> loading his double-barreled shotgun because you were going to go out to get some D because yeah. he wasn't capable of giving it to you. Sometimes you got to troll for some D. I mean, I don't know. There might be some some balance here. I mean, I you know, I give him credit. It's hard to make, I know it's hard to love a man whose legs are bent and paralyzed, scan in a, in a musical sense in a song, but there's a lot in that song that I think is, is up to being me too. Anyway, point three from Paul. A lot of feedback, Paul, on the previous episode. I appreciate that. Oasis Be Here Now, that was the album after Morning Glory, should have been called Cocaine, A Discovery. <laughs> uh, too late. Steely danced all that one. <laughs> Well, maybe they should have got Steely Dan in to mix the Be Here Now album because clearly they could still function on cocaine. Though, I mean, you know, may Walter Becker rest in peace. If only those two groups could have gotten together because it would have been like the two most contentious duos just being like, no, we're the best. No, we're the best. Just headbutting the whole time. Also, uh, Therese sent me a message because my other thing with Oasis is not only, uh, I think part part of the reason why the quality dropped so, uh, so shockingly after the second album 
wasn't just down to ability. I think it was a, a lack of work ethic. I've always said they're a bunch of lazy Brits. And my, my, my biggest point on that was they had a good shot of breaking America earlier on. And they just couldn't be bothered to put in the legwork because in the UK, which is a much smaller place, they were already headlining in stadiums. And then they came to America and had to play clubs and put in a lot more effort and, you know, be in America in smaller venues, traveling about in a bus for like six, seven weeks. And they didn't want to do it. And uh, Therese sent me a message saying that she went to see them uh, mid-90s, probably around the morning glory time. And the show was only six songs long because they walked off stage because someone threw some sneakers up. Now, I'm not up for people throwing things, but that could have been an endorsement deal. So not only are they lazy, they're potentially potentially anti-capitalist. Liam, that could have been a Reebok deal. I, I think I discovered after the last episode a new reason that I dislike uh, Oasis. And it's just that even though they don't necessarily look identical, I can't tell the brothers apart. Like, which one's the extra crazy one? Which one's the one that's slightly normal but still a little crazy? Which is the one that mostly sings? Which is the one that sometimes uh, sings? You know, at least with Blur, not to keep bringing up Blur, but it's the only other Well, Brit no, in the, in, in, in the UK, Blur versus Oasis right, in, in the thing. 90s was, was considered to be the new Beatles versus the Stones. At least with Blur, we know we have Damon... Or with his other band, we have Cartoon Damon. It's very easy to figure out. (laughs) Yeah, you raise a good point. Um, Paul also then sent another message because he had an acid flashback and remembered the previous, previous episode (laughs) where we discussed the fact that the lead singer of Killing Joke we'd almost killed because unfortunately we've got a track record of talking about people and then bad things happen to them. Or sometimes we talk about things and then miraculous things happen. There's a great example of cosmic power coming in this podcast. Stand by, boys and girls. But we'd been discussing uh, Killing Joke uh, and their singer, Jazz Coleman. And then literally a week later, he fell backwards off a boat and nearly died. And uh, we got into the whole story about how um, Killing Joke were going to sue Nirvana because Nirvana's Come As You Are was a ripoff of 80s by Killing Joke. Paul courtesy of his acid flashback after dealing all with all of the oasis information said and i didn't know this foo fighters which of course was dave grohl's next band after nirvana covered requiem which is a killing joke song for a b-side and it appeared on the 10th anniversary edition of the color and the shape and paul's uh idea is basically dave grohl said to killing joke don't sue me and in actual fact your singer's a fucking nutcase so i'd rather not like have you'll probably sue me and do some black magic because like Jazz Coleman's into the the dark arts. So I think he said, because this is definitely factual, in order to make it up to Killing Joke, Dave Grohl drummed on a Killing Joke album in the 2000s, which brought them a lot of attention. But Paul was also suggesting, did they also do a deal where they said, hey, listen, if you won't sue us and do some sort of like black magic, uh, cast a spell on us, what about we cover some of your songs and we'll put them on albums and B-sides and then you'll make some extra money as well? That might be a good idea, Paul. Not a bad deal. Yeah, See, like kids, that. acid, not all that bad. Um, I made up the acid bit. Oh, I was going to say, it's a good I have got no, I've got no grounds to suggest really that, that Paul was doing acid. I think he was just listening to the podcast in the wrong order. Oh. Yeah. So your endorsement, your endorsement of acid right then 
Probably not as strong as the endorsement of Oasis doing Reebok could have been if Liam had figured out why someone... You know, actually, you know why someone probably probably threw a fucking sneaker up on stage to Oasis in that club in 1990 whenever Therese was there? It was probably because Liam was singing fucking out of tune and standing there in a rain mac with his hands behind his back going... Sunshine. And some and Americans were probably quite rightly thinking, this is the best that England has to offer. Remember when that dude threw his shoe at George Bush? Yes. Maybe he was just thinking he was at an Oasis concert. Maybe it's just like an Oasis thing. The Oasis thing became we're not going to finish any show or American tour and we're just going to go back home and play stadiums instead. Yeah, maybe that guy just wanted to go home. Like I said, work show. Well, I've been at Oasis concerts and wanted to go home, so I can definitely understand <laughs> you that. you left your shoes on? <laughs> um, Eric Martinez sent me a thing about... Uh, <laughs> this is another thing we've mentioned on the podcast before. Like, England can't deal with anything, including a bit of sunshine. Everyone's miserable because it rains and it's cold, and then they get a bit of sunshine and everyone goes crazy. So there was headline news in England. He sent me a, a, a link to an article from The Sun, front page news, because on one day last week, it was going to be 77 degrees. What? Yeah. Then How head, is that news? It's the, that is the new. It, for about one day a year, it gets hot, or a week a year. Wait, that's hot? The headlines in Shitsville are always, one, the temperature... And they'll present something like 77 degrees as being startlingly hot. And then it's backed up with, and that's hotter than Spain. <laughs> on that one given day. You know, the hottest place on earth. So, um, but they put it in, they do it in uh, Celsius rather than Fahrenheit. Oh, that's confusing. And it was also over a long weekend. And they've got a, a term for, for when Mondays are holidays in Shitsville. So Eric Martinez's message with this article about the sunshine over the long weekend simply said, what in 1776 is a bank holiday and what is 25 degrees? <laughs> Bank holiday is just what they call a long weekend. Right. Again, Brits always make things more complicated yeah. and longer than they need to be. It's, it, it probably used to be called a bank holiday because the banks were closed on that day. You're also talking about an era where people had to light gas lamps. Like, it's gone back that far. It's just a holiday Monday. And 25 degrees... That's because they're in Celsius. It's like European socialist temperatures. You, you just double it and add 30 to get roughly what it is in Fahrenheit. So can I tell you a very embarrassing Fahrenheit Celsius story? So about uh, two, three years ago, I, we, me, I have a friend who we have like these Saturday dinners that we do all the time. And like we'll go all out, spend way too much money on the food we'll make the whole menu and Do just you, feast are you eating genuine food or just eating edibles no the edibles come before and there's oh. plenty of smoking throughout but this meal is real food because most of my friends don't smoke with the type of passion that i do right so we uh we were making lamb shanks and we were really excited we had like this whole mediterranean theme and we found this gordon ramsay recipe and I mean, we're Americans, so every single recipe I find online, I immediately assume is telling me the Fahrenheit temperature. I don't even think that Celsius is an option. Not this European socialist temperature. Bullshit. Everyone should be on our time and our system of measuring, but I digress. So we, uh, this recipe called for like 113 degrees, something crazy. And we, you know, 
again, I was getting very high. I don't know what my friends. Does this story was. end with you burning their house down? Quite the opposite. <laughs> it ended with us leaving this lamb shank in for like four hours at 113 degrees Fahrenheit, being like, <laughs> oh, it's a slow cook recipe. And then eating raw lamb shanks <laughs> because Gordon Ramsay, who's been in America for fucking years now, had to be all pretentious. Like, mm, do this in Celsius, even though everyone who's looking up this recipe is clearly in America. Listen, those European socialist temperatures, if ever there was a reason to Brexit, I tell you, there was the, uh, the uh, also the other thing is. 77 Fahrenheit is not hot, right? But let's say if you live in Shitsville where it's generally cold and rainy, that is considered hot, right? But they don't, as uh, Eric Martinez said, they don't say they don't say 77. They give you a smaller temperature. 25, nothing is is hot, right? You, 25 doesn't suggest hot. 77 suggests hot. 25 and 77 suggest either freezing or beautiful <laughs> to me. You know, it's uh, I, the the thing that made me discover Veep, which if you've never watched it, is possibly the funniest comedy in the last 20 years. For sure. Um, was uh, I don't know why I didn't get on board early doors, but I got on board with it because there's an ep- episode or maybe it's a couple of episodes in an early season where they go to the UK. And one of my friends from here in a proper country sent me a text message going, if you're not watching it already, you have to watch the episode of Veep where they go to the UK because she just hates it as much as you do, right? <laughs> and the thing is in Veep, everything goes wrong in every episode. That's kind of the, the, the point of the show. So everything went wrong in London, but she just took it all out on London as if it was London's fault. And one of the things where she's like... (laughs) <laughs> the fi- spoiler alert I'm going to spoil the end of this episode Go for it they're in a cab going back to the airport and, and Selena the main character who's played by Julia Louis-Dreyfus right can't wait to get out of the UK which I mean I've got an affinity to that it's like every time I, I'm, I do miss my immediate family and I, I miss being around them everything else I can't stand and if I go back to Shitsville for the holidays although I miss my family I can't wait to get out of the rest of the UK and get on a plane to take me back to a proper country and she is so done with it she's in a cab this is one of the best lines going to Heathrow airport and she says to the driver get me to the airport princess diana speed (laughs) and then but then goes through a bunch of things about why everything everything that went wrong is obviously her fault because it always is but she blames it on england because I mean, they can't even figure out temperatures. What is this? 10 degrees. How is that even a temperature? How is it that the temperatures are so small, but the plugs are so big? <laughs> I, can't, I can't fit my American plug into one of their giant-sized sockets, but yet the temperatures are the other way around. How many times have I brought up that the only way to solve world peace or create world peace is by having equal socket sizes throughout the world? Yeah, and I say that we should start with at least having one universal DVD for you know what I like about Veep is, you know, most people watch the show and would be like, oh, I can't imagine having a president like that. That <laughs> seems so outlandish and so crazy. And in 2016, you were like, man, dreams really do come true, don't well, they? Well, uh, I, do, I did read some interviews with her, with her and Amanda Yanucci, who, who created the show, when they announced that Veep was winding up. And um, they both basically said, well... 
what we depicted as absurd became reality. <laughs> so it kind of isn't a, it's not funny anymore. Right. We're, kind no, we're of not thing. making a reality show here. I will, I will, I will say this about Veep though. It is, I, I, I do think it's probably the best comedy for the last 20 years. And it, um, it was so good. That script moved so fast. I used to, when I, when I got on board with it and started watching it, I would watch every episode twice because the script moves so fast. You miss hilarious jokes. Absolutely. They don't do a setup and lead to a punchline or have some kind of slapstick type scenario. There's, the dialogue is so fast and some of the characters almost say something under their breath about someone and you would just miss it and it's there's like a there's like the main script which is hilarious and then if you watch it again and you're paying really close attention sort of like a second level script which is almost as funny it's just great it's genius it's, it's like they match the the speed and lifestyle that probably comes with being in politics in washington and like you said the storyline itself would be funny and then throughout the storyline it's like the eight different characters right. just constantly throwing joke, 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 joke. And the other thing about Veep, which was great, was that when it gets to the end, the season finale, you know, if you've watched the whole thing, that they started the show with an idea of how the show would end and they were talented enough or smart enough to bring in enough good writers for the period it ran for because you never know how long a TV show is going to run for and I think maybe seven years like seven seasons yeah. I think so it never in fact I think it's also one of the few shows that got funnier as it, as it went along so they always kept a standard but when they decided they were going to end it or the network decided they'd done enough they went okay we've had a great run and the show's still great, we're ending it now. And they implemented an ending that they'd worked out from the beginning. And I, I, mean, I haven't written a TV show, so I don't claim to know how to make a great success. But I would say that is a great concept. If you're going to run a show that has an evolving story, be it a drama that people have to buy into or a, you know, a comedy show like that, the end is only ever going to be rewarding for people that love the show, that have stuck with it. If the people who created the show knew how it was going to end. You don't need to know where it's going to go right. and how long it's going to go for, but you need to know how to take it back. So basically, they saw what J.J. Abrams did with Lost and were like, oh, let's do the complete opposite I of think that. so. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, like, oh, yeah, no, let's actually have a plan. Yeah, literally. They <laughs> People had, get really mad when you don't have a plan. They had a plan. Also, uh, here comes a name drop. I used to go to the same gym as Hugh Laurie, House, who... Yep, you... Bloop! who was, uh, you know, Selena's fuck buddy in the TV <laughs> and show. vice president for a little bit, or vice presidential candidate. I was, it, it, to be honest, they move in and out of being president, vice president, trying to be, <laughs> I kind of lost track of who right, did. Was and, he president like, for a little bit? kind of lost know. track of like who did and didn't have power. The one consistent thing in Veep is that when you've watched the whole thing, it's very apparent that the people with the real power are the ones behind the scenes. Yeah, of course. You know, um, Hugh Laurie, very, very pleasant to work out alongside in a gym, always said please and thank you, and asked you if you were done with the equipment on which you were working if he wanted to use that particular bit of equipment in said gym. Did he work out grunt in his English accent or his American accent? Uh, no, he because he's almost... Um, 
almost like an English butler in real life. He's so sort of prim and proper in the way that uh, he would. So I'd be like, oh, House just showed up in the gym. And <laughs> he I'd must cut, be drunk. Like, and I, <laughs> right. <laughs> I'd be like, listen, I know you can perform operations in a surgery after you've had half a bottle of vodka, but I don't know if you should be bench pressing that amount after you've, uh, after you've imbibed that much booze. Where is your cane and how are you on this treadmill? <laughs> I say, I say that my buddy in the gym, I say, hey, Dan, House has got his legs back in working order. Look, he's been on that treadmill for 20 minutes. Where's the walking stick? Um, always, uh, yeah, but so he was very kind of like, uh, please, thank you. I was all, I always used to think, because I didn't know him. Like, we knew we knew one another because we'd see another one another in the gym and right. say, how are you? Fine. It's always like, so close to going like, talking your American accent. I, I like, when he said, because he'd turn up, Hugh Laurie turn up and go, um... Are you done with the uh, bench press, right? And I and I was so tempted to go. If you ask me that again in an American accent, the answer is yes. If you carry on speaking like a butler, like you are in real life, the answer is no. Definitely no. But I was always like I'm trying to get to America, sir. Just give me this taste. Literally, yeah, yeah, yeah. L literally, like I was. Have you seen the movie? Um, uh, what's the one where Brad Pitt plays the Irish character with an amazing uh, uh, the, uh, Snatch the Kenavan, yeah. Snatch right you know the movie <laughs> yes, Snatch of course uh, the guy who's the gangster that they're all scared of in Snatch uh, what's his name uh, hold uh, on um, I'll google it I'm you'll know him when we say the name what is his name are you I looking for his real name no, the, no, character's, uh, the name? character's name no one's going to know him by his real name his real name's Alan something I think um, I'm on it hold on uh, have I answered your question, Eric Martinez, by the way? Because I feel <laughs> like... Bricktop. Bricktop, right. Bricktop. Alan Ford. Alan, I told you his real name was Alan. So if you're familiar with the movie Snatch, British gangster movie, Brad Pitt with an amazing Irish accent, Guy Ritchie movie, right? Yeah. Bricktop is the British gangster that they're all scared of, and he uses some very choice British gangster phrases. Bricktop, in real life, Alan... Quite often, I'd see in a cafe that I used to go to around the corner from where I lived in Shitsville, and even more than me wanting to get Hugh Laurie to speak in an American accent, I wanted to go up to Bricktop in the in the cafe and say to him, "Call me a cunt." Like, <laughs> like, like, right? But I'm sure he, as weird as it is, I'm sure he gets that all the time. But in real life, he would always come in with his friend who was in a wheelchair. So he'd go out for lunch with his friend who was uh, handicapped. And I almost felt like, and, and, I'd be, and I don't know whether it was, it was like an elderly person. It maybe it'll have been like an elderly relative, someone that he was taking from, like, from right. a home for a day out and doing stuff like that. And I would be like, is this going to be the most inappropriate time to go? <laughs> like, that's good. I'm going to and, 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 and I don't know. What, and again, I, maybe this is me being very un-PC and judgmental of the moment. The, 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 I mean, for all I knew, the person in the wheelchair, the elderly person in the wheelchair might have been like, I love it when he says cunt. But <laughs> it just looked like it was like an elderly relative that he was taking from a home and kind of, but I, I, it happened like three or four times. I'd be uh, across the way on another table and I'd have my art and I'd be like, Maybe when the wheelchair goes to the bathroom. I'm just like, like, <laughs> yeah, but he's going to have to so push him to the bathroom. Well, and that would be what would happen. And I'd be like, I'm going to move to a proper country soon and Bricktop would have never have called me a cunt. Well, since you're my friend, you know, I'm no Brit top, but you're a cunt. 
See, but in your it's voice, that's no. It's just offensive and mean. Again, Bricktop says it with such. He just. Yeah, I can't even do I'm a Brit. I can't even do it in that voice. He's got one of those Cockney London voices playing a gangster, which means that when he uses the most offensive word ever, it just sounds great. Yeah. But it would have sounded really wrong in that pristine, very old-school British cafe. <laughs> I don't know. I think I'm just going to start screaming it. It sounds pretty good on my voice. No, I, you can't do it here. You know this. Open I, your balcony doors. Hold oh on. Let's see how this God. works. I used to do a... Um, by the way, Eric Martinez, did we answer your question? I think we did. I, I did... Uh, I, I did uh, when the music industry had money, uh, I came over to the States. This is probably like about 10, 12 years ago with some journalists. I can't remember what we were doing. We're going to see a gig. It might have been... It might have been a Rolling Stones show, like the Rolling Stones, because they got a lot of money to make sure that they always got good reviews, even though sometimes they perhaps weren't doing the best shows. They would take British journalists and radio people to see them do a show in the States. So you I definitely wonder why they never get criticized. Well, I mean, I'm a big fan of the Stones, but this is a good move. So, for example, if you were a radio presenter or a you know music journalist and you went to see a Rolling Stones show at, say, Wembley, uh, you know, and it was a 30-minute subway ride from your house and they weren't particularly good and you were going to do a review going, I think they should hang it up. They used to be great, but they're really old and past it. Like, that would be a review. If you've been flown to, let's say, Boston, <laughs> put up in a hotel for two right. days, wined and dined, and then in the middle of it, you know, you went to the show and you thought, Jesus Christ, Charlie Watts is 80 and he can't keep time, but I've been flown <laughs> to Boston. I'm probably going to give them a good review, you know, more likely. The point is, uh, I think it was the Stones. It might be something else, but I'm, uh, I'm, I'm part of this junket. And so we go out for the whining and dining bit. And of course almost as if the PR person was like, oh, I've seen a couple of shows on this tour already. They're not as good as they used to be. I need to get this media extra drunk, <laughs> right? You've got a bunch of drunk Brits sitting around in some quite reasonably nice restaurant. Have you guys ever tried math? <laughs> right. Well, they're throwing around the C word like liberally. And I had to interject, you know, being an American at heart. And I said, uh, look, you can't do And they're like, well, fucking, I'm like, no, 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 no. You're not brick top. This is not snatch. You can't, I said, and they're like, I said like, no, Americans think it and I don't know where it came from because it was just like the most vulgar thing I could possibly think of and I said look you're throwing it around almost in a comedic fashion I said most of these people in this slightly well-to-do restaurant you start using that c-word it's like pissing on someone's child and I said see now you understand yeah as someone who has peed on many times okay um did we answer Eric Martinez's question? We were going to get to talking about I don't even some know stuff. What his question. Was it something about the Rolling Stones? What in 17... Were the Rolling Stones good in 1776? Yes, they <laughs> rocked. I would say, just for balance, I've seen many uh, Rolling Stones shows where they're old as God. Well, Charlie Watts was 80 yesterday. That's what made them come to mind. And uh, I still think they're very good. Um, Mike Thomas also sent a message saying, did you make this podcast happen? And sent me a link to the Warp Tour podcast. We might that might have been our cosmic power. I don't know. I feel like we discussed that already. Uh, no, I don't think we we discussed how much I hated the Warp Tour. 
And now we made a Warped Tour podcast happen. Yeah, because we talk about stuff and sometimes the things happen. You're welcome, Warped Tour. And I guarantee you, on this Warped Tour podcast, there'll be a bunch of bands, some of them very big and of A-list status, and they'll all talk about how much they love the Warped Tour and what a great experience it was and how great it is that there's no... A level of seniority because you can be Green Day and still open the stage at 11 o'clock in the morning and how great it is that everyone has to eat together and there's no special areas for the bigger bands to have their own dressing room areas and they're all fucking lying do you think the story about me breaking my glasses in the mosh pit at Warped Tour will come up at any point I don't think am I big enough I think I am I think they'll probably leave the podcast with that right yeah yeah well I mean we had Green Day but this guy in Dallas one time yeah and they're going he's got this podcast with this other guy in Dallas who called us the communists of the music festivals <laughs> and then wouldn't you know it someone called me and said make a podcast <laughs> alright um, so anyway that was a cozy 10 minutes that turned into 35 you're welcome uh, regarding the uh, <laughs> listener feedback see if I don't do it at the start we just don't get to it <laughs> well that's why because otherwise it takes about 30 minutes I know. If you do want to send us any... Uh, We're very popular. Yeah, any uh, feedback on anything, then uh, digiamerica.com. You can contact us via the website. You can leave us a voice message there if you'd actually like to be on the podcast. Or uh, hit me up on uh, any of the socials. I'm Ian Camfield on Twitter or Camfield Off The Radio on Instagram. Um, we'll do part two and get to, you know, talking about some other stuff next. All right, let's do uh, part two of Did You America, season two, episode... Many. Um, Song of the Week is still operational. You can vote via the website, didyouamerica.com, or there is a poll on my Twitter where I'm at Ian Canfield. Three songs, you choose which one you like the most. I'm going with the new one by the Bronx, which is called Watering the Well. I went with Larry June's new song, You Gotta. And New York producer choosing Life Goes On by Oliver Tree. All right, so Watering the Well by the Bronx... You Got Her by Larry June, or Life Goes On by Oliver Tree. Vote for Song of the Week at DidYouAmerica.com or vote on the poll, which is on my Twitter, at Ian Camfield. Um, so I got the one kind of uh, celebrity success story, one kind of celebrity failure story. Is it appropriate to call Trump closing his blog a celebrity failure story? I mean, I don't know I whether... I call it a presidential failure. Well, I, no, I mean, I'm like, you know, he was, he's now the ex-president, so was the blog just there for entertainment purposes? I just like that he clearly couldn't figure out how to write a message more than 140 characters. So he was like, <laughs> screw this, I'm just not doing this. Shut it down! Well, I, I don't know. I think it probably just shows that we don't want blogs now. I mean, look, I'm not taking political political sides here because people will just go well it was Trump and it was terrible blah 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 and you're defending him I'm not doing that I think people just like bite-sized content now so when you're sending out tweets there's bite-sized content if you're posting videos on TikTok there's bite-sized content if you post a blog people's reaction is oh reading He's probably just really confused because he's like, I thought deleting the blog was going to be like filing for bankruptcy. I'm supposed to get money back and someone else is supposed to get screwed. What's going on here? The blog did last less time than Trump states. I mean, <laughs> I, there, there, it's, uh, it definitely went away uh, pretty fast. I don't know. Does he deserve credit for realizing that no one wants a blog and just, yeah. take, just taking it down? Well, the thing is, is where's this TV network? We were promised a TV network. I thought I was going to get a job. God yeah. damn it. I at least was going to get some secondary action. <laughs>
Yeah, I don't know. Uh, At the, least some jerk material for the beautiful women he was guaranteed to hire. <laughs> yeah, it would be like uh, uh, the first 10 years of Fox News yeah, times 10, Fox right? News. <laughs> when it was right next to Cinemax. It'd be like Babe Station with news, right? Was Babe <laughs> right. Station on here? Do you know that? Was that I a UK that thing? My, my favorite thing as a kid was... Translate Babe Station into like American for Network. me. Well, right, also, yeah. even better, they're... Back in the day, Comedy Central, when it was no longer Comedy Central, all of its paid programming was for the old, like, Girls Gone Wild right. tapes. So, like, I imagine it was just like that, like, constant ads of titties being flashed, but covered up with, like, Batman-style, like, boing, like, word phrases. <laughs> You know, like the caption bubbles; those would, that be, would be over the girls. That, yeah, that would be on. That would be the Trump TV news network. You know, if you watch another news network, the caption comes across the bottom right. of like what the headline is, the right? Tits. Right. And then whereas whereas the Trump TV network, they got the captions on the tits, and it just says Chinese virus. <laughs> Whenever he's on, there's one like where his penis would be, just like down to the floor. It's like, I don't know. There's a lot of news today, guys. <laughs> So, yeah, I think it suggests uh, one of a few things. One, uh, no one wants to read blogs. Too many words. I don't like reading, period. Two, um, I mean, does it suggest that you can only launch a new successful online venture if you're in some way in bed with uh, Zuckerberg or that Marxist with the beard who runs Twitter. Did I just say something <laughs> controversial? Well, no, I feel like, because the whole idea of Trump... Jack Dorsey, I think, is his actual name. The Marxist with the beard That's who runs it, Twitter. Yes, yes. I mean, he looks more like Lenin every day. Um, the uh, You know when he goes to the barbers for his beard shave, he's like, can you get Karl Marx? Can we give me the Karl Marx? Don't touch the hair. <laughs> Trim the beard. Um, I, it, it, the, the Trump's whole idea was that he was going to have some sort of independent platform, and I, I Maybe this, you know, you can't, you have to get into bed with one of the people that seems to control like the, the big platforms, right. perhaps. Yeah, apparently, either you need to be tied in with them or be president. I don't know, that might help. Uh, but the successful reboot in entertainment, somewhat of a reboot, the Friends reunion. Ugh. Now, I guess a lot of people watched it, I saw a lot of people posting about it. I read that they made a considerable amount of money from of it. They, they being the cast of Friends. Well, they made a considerable, about, a considerable amount of money just for doing that damn show when they were doing it. Well, they no, well, 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 they were, they were, the, the point was made that they got two and a half million each for the HBO Max reunion, but they got 500 grand for the entire first season of Friends. That was the point of like, they got paid half a million to make a full season. Right. Got paid two and a half million um, to make the, um, the reunion show. Now, let me say, I did not watch the reunion show and I don't actually think I've ever seen a full episode of Friends. I got sort of interested when Magnum showed up for a few seasons. <laughs> but, but, but when I realized that Tom Selleck wasn't playing Magnum, right. my interest disappeared. I was like, where's the fucking Ferrari? You would think I'd be a huge fan of Friends. Like I came, that was when I was, you know, in my, as a kid and going through teens when that show was on. It's now a huge hit now because of streaming. I... I never really got into it, and it was always one of those annoying shows, you know, before streaming that was in syndication everywhere. So, like, you'd pop on TBS and it'd be like, we're playing Friends for the next eight hours. Right. I just, I don't understand 
how people aren't sick of this show yet. I uh, I mentioned Comedy Central before. So back in the day, my TV was on two stations, ESPN and Comedy Central. I'd go back and forth between the shoot two. South Park, Chappelle Show, Workaholics, Broad City, great comedies came from Comedy Central. Kids in the Hole? No. You know what Comedy Central is now? Comedy Central plays 24 hours a day The Office. Non-stop, episode by episode, binging The Office. And don't get me wrong, The Office is one of, if not my favorite comedies of all time. I love it. But now because it's always on and it's what my TV is, pro my mind is right. programmed to go to, I am sick of watching The Office. If they had a big Office reunion, I wouldn't care. So I don't get how people are reacting this way to Friends, which I hate to break it to you, on a comedy level, is a significantly worse show than The Office. Well, so It's I, not even better than Seinfeld, the show that it fought with in that era. I, I dipped into it uh, when Magnum was on it. And I watched maybe half an episode and I thought, you know what? Magnum in New York does not work as well as Magnum in Hawaii. <laughs> right. So, he needs that tropical environment. Uh, so where's the British guy with the two Dobermans? The mustache look just looks pretentious otherwise. Exactly, yeah. I was like, you see, in Hawaii, it works. In New York, you just look like you're trying to be a hipster and you're too old to be doing that. Fucking asshole. I uh, said, so there's not even a guy with a chopper that's coming in to rescue anyone <laughs> at any point. I mean, my <laughs> God, what are we doing? Anyway, so, I, so anyway... I don't think I've ever seen a full episode of Friends, and I certainly didn't watch the reunion. That does not prevent me from having a strong opinion on the reunion. Of course not. I float the... Now, people watched it because they like the retro nature of it, but here's, here's what I think about it. Let's say, for argument's sake, you think Friends is funny. And I, again, I, I, it must have been funny to a certain degree. Yeah, because just enjoying it, not having a brain. They won't understand the segment anyways. Right. But the idea that you get a bunch of actors together who were funny for a period of time reading scripts that other people wrote, and then you put them together for a reunion without those scripts written by other people, why is that going to be entertaining? You haven't got a bunch of comedians. You've got a bunch of actors who played parts in sitcoms, right? Reunions, especially for TV shows, never work. I mean, it would have been better, I think, if they did an episode or a season than just, like, sat around and talked about the show. That's not a reunion. That's, like... What they did during COVID, because like they were like didn't know what else to do, but I guess for some reason COVID blocked this reunion mm. from even happening. I think the best example of a reunion is what Curb Your Enthusiasm did to do a Seinfeld reunion in mm -hmm. one of their seasons. That was the plot of the season that they were making a Seinfeld reunion, and they brought in all the cast, and they you basically got like three scenes from the show that were funny because they were in the realm of Curb Your Enthusiasm. And we, we basically got to see what a Seinfeld reunion would have looked like mm. without all the disappointment of there being actually a Seinfeld reunion. Yeah, that's a good point. I do, I, I do agree with that. And here's another thing. I don't know if this is a, uh, if this is a controversial thing to say. But I tell you what, it was way better than Friends. Did you ever see Matt LeBlanc in that show, Episodes? Okay, I that show didn't get a lot of praise. I loved that show. Is it Showtime show. here? Yeah, Showtime? yeah, Showtime here. It was very funny. The, uh, it was written... Written by a British guy, right? Yeah, so it was written by... so the One of the guys in the show, I yeah, believe. Yeah, the plot of episodes is a husband and wife, a British husband and wife who uh, write uh, theatre plays in England get a deal to move to Hollywood and one of their 
theatre plays from London's West End is going to be uh, turned into a sitcom on American TV. Right. And um, it's basically a story of how Hollywood takes this idea, which was sort of this morality play with lots of kind of theories about life and morals and all this kind of stuff and they just turn it into a knucklehead it was like a teen drama yeah dumb as can be sitcom and because they want it to be a knucklehead dumb as can be sitcom the network insists that Matt LeBlanc is in it right and he plays like the best version of himself right so this is my point about Matt LeBlanc so in the episode so episode is a very funny show and I also like the fact that so that the Brit the British couple moved to Hollywood thinking this is going to be like their dream and basically everything goes... I mean, the show is a success, but they kind of wrestle with the idea of how much it's being dumbed down. And it's just a great snapshot on how ridiculous Hollywood is. But it's it's not showing all of the Me Too stuff that got episode, that got uh, Entourage cancelled, right? So if, well, if, I mean, not to spoil anything, but I'm pretty sure Matt LeBlanc comes in, bangs the wife, and ruins their whole relationship at one point. Yeah, but you can't be Me Too for having an affair. Um, I mean, he doesn't he doesn't Marilyn Manson her. I'm just saying. That, oh God. <laughs> well, but um, but it's uh, not perfect. No, no one's perfect in it. But anyway, it, it, it it's a great show, and and so but but this is but it may go watch episode see what you think i tell you having watched half a tom Selleck episode of friends that episodes is a way 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 better comedy i agree but this is my, my point and i don't know if this is controversial so in episodes matt leblanc plays himself but he plays a really like asshole version of right. himself but he's playing the he's dumb like he is in Friends, but more of an asshole because that's what the character should be in, in the yeah. TV show episodes. It's like cocky because he's rich and famous. Right. But I watched that and it made me think he's the most talented one in Friends because it's not easy to play dumb. Like he's the one doing the most acting playing dumb. Is that a fair thing to say? I mean, do we know that he's acting? Maybe he's just no, dumb in real life. I, no, because in Friends you don't know that he's acting, but he can't possibly be, like he's knowingly playing that level of asshole in episodes and I think that shows I, that... I like whenever there's like a really dumb, per like an actor who's known for playing like a really dumb person, a really dumb roles it always comes out later like mm, you know they're actually a genius like i uh, i mean it's not really about him but whenever you hear stuff about jack black who's like known for playing these silly roles like do you know his parents were astronauts or like something crazy right like that. right right well i just let whatever if anyone ever criticizes jack black i go yeah but he did love dio that's always like i'm <laughs> like tenacious d great stuff yeah literally you know uh i mean tribute is like you know it's in terms of country songs it's up there with the devil went down to georgia i, I love it because it's a tribute to the greatest song in the world but the greatest song that you shall not hear right yeah exactly see i mean they covered all of their bases yeah. there uh, also episodes although i would say that the end isn't anywhere near as great as the end of um veep which we were discussing in part Part one episodes also another example of a show where when you get to the end of it for the series finale it is very obvious that they figured out how that show was going to end from the time they started it the anti-jj abrams right exactly so that's good so yes um if you've never seen friends don't bother. Magnum was disappointing in it. I, in fact, I prefer <laughs> the watch I prefer the new guy playing Magnum to actual Magnum in Friends. Wow. That I know. I Shots know. Fire Friends. But but 
Um, I prefer Magnum in Blue Bloods. He's better as the chief. <laughs> See, when he was the chief of police in New York, at least there's some action in that. Right, just give us the equalizer and shut up with the reunion. No one ever got shot in that building in Friends. <laughs> you don't know that. Well, that was there, a, there was no story the, like The one where Ross gets shot in the face. Tell the other thing that winds me up about Friends. Having only ever watched half of one episode that starred Magnum, when I lived in New York... Every fucking British friend who came to visit me wanted to walk to where the building is. You know, the external shot is an actual right, building right. in Manhattan. And they would always Google it because I didn't. I was like, I don't fucking know where it is. I, don't, I mean, I live near it, but I was like, oh, we've got to walk there. Right. Then they'd Google it and then they'd find out that the fucking bakery from what's that show all the gays like? <laughs> Sex in the city. Right, yeah, this gay don't like that. Um, <laughs> the bakery. The, so that I've right. If I've watched half an episode of Friends because it had Magnum in it, not being a good version of Magnum, I've never even seen one Sex in the City. I love. I love. Uh, not to have a quick tangent, but I love Sex in the City. How is this possible? I I say this all the time. I feel like if you lined up a thousand people right. who listened to this podcast and said they looked at us and said. One is gay, one is not. Pick the one. Right. All a thousand of those people at this point are picking me over you. In many ways, you're way gayer than me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in it, you're, many ways. That shirt is so pink, I'm, I'm almost blind right now. <laughs> Today was like the first Thursday in weeks where my hair wasn't braided when Jeremy, I came over. Jeremy can't wait to go out on a pride parade. And, and, my, and my reaction is, I'm all for equal rights. I but, love dancing. But, but a parade... Do you need it? I mean, every parade's gay. Parades are wonderful. But no, that's always been my thing with pride parades. I'm like, well, go for your life. But sh but d d d do you need to differentiate? Because every parade is gay. Show me a parade that's not gay. Even the military parades for dictators who are terrible people, <laughs> they're really gay. They're all walking they're, in unison. They're all, totally they're gay. They're walking in unison. I mean, I go like, this is like the last Pet Shop Boys show I went to see, <laughs> just with more costume. Not to call out Nazis, but stomping, totally gay. <laughs> Hitler's right hand well, man was gay. <laughs> well, just a one. And I bet Goebbels loved the parades. <laughs> he went, Adolf, Adolf, you know what we need today? A good parade. <laughs> All parades are gay. Another bad opinion. Little mustaches in the center of your face, super gay. How much, how much fucking attention would that mustache need i'm bearded up have you ever noticed the one place on my face i don't grow hair is where hitler did every it's my theory every jew is like this it's the anti-hitler facial hair and that is why he hated jews okay he wanted hair everywhere else he could only grow it in one spot who doesn't grow hair there the jews good theory that concludes today's hitler segment on the podcast um where was I? Uh, Sex in the city. Yes. If we, if Are you done you with Hitler? Do you need more York, Hitler? If me and you do you need more Hitler? Okay. More Hitler? Okay, just a little bit. If me and you ever go to New York, just a warning why I want to bring all this up. Me and you will be going to that Sex in the City. Oh, bakery. right. So this is my part. Right. So then friends would visit. I lived in New York and Brits would come over and they would want to go to the, fr and the friends building. Oh, God. And then 
when they, because I'd always try and get out of having to go, I go, I don't know where it is, but then they Google it. And then they realize when they Google it that the bakery from that other fucking show is just around the corner. So every time a Brit would visit, we'd have to go traipsing to see the Friends building where you're just looking at a building that none of them ever went into because it was just used for the external shot. And then you'd go around the corner and then there was the bakery. Now the bakery used to annoy me even more I mean, at least the bakery was a bakery, so it was an actual real place. I believe in Sex and the City, they went to it and used it as a bakery, and it is a bakery, so you could go and use it as a bakery as well. But you never went past it without there being a line out of the bakery and going around the block. So once I walked to a building that was just like, okay, there's the outside of the Friends building, then you had to go spend 45 minutes in a line so that they could get some really gay-looking cupcakes. There's nothing worse than like when there's a trendy spot that pops up and all of a sudden it's like causing all this traffic and there's this uh so i live in plano for those in dfw for uh, a few weeks back off of preston road or a few months back now there was this restaurant that opened up it's a fried chicken place that i guess is like the mcdonald's of the philippines mm. called Jolly Bee. and there would there's be, a claim the mcdonald's of the philippines that's what, they, that's what it, all the ads were saying oh, oh. But they, yeah i'm not just saying that. i can tell you <laughs> i went there this place fucking sucks it's worse than kfc it's worse than popeyes but for the first month it was open there would be a line so long that it was causing traffic like three lights down preston <laughs> it couldn't be more annoying but it's only because it was like they saw all these people like, ooh, new restaurant. It's so popular in the Philippines. Let's go. It's garbage. It's right. not even good. I guarantee you that bakery, terrible. But I don't know that I never heard any of my Brit friends that went there then tell me that the cupcakes were amazing. They just had to have the experience of being at the bakery right. and taking a picture. So basically, we'd have to walk several blocks from my apartment to go look at the outside of a building and then stand in a line. You know what? And this was in my drinking days. I used to say to them, look, I'm just going to go to my favorite dive bar and you can meet me there. And then most of these fucking British wussies that used to visit used to go, oh, no, 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 no. We don't want to walk in without you to the kind of bars that you hang out. I'm like, oh, God, the Hell's Angels are going to be fine. Like, I'll tell them that you're coming. <laughs> now, now, instead of I that. said, they, 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 they offer the doorman one of those pink cupcakes. You'll be, you'll be fine getting in. I was going to say, now, instead of going to the bar, you'll be like, I'm going to go to Kroger. I'm going to go get a real cupcake with, with an American flag on it. I'll meet you back at <laughs> The house. Oh, here's a thing I haven't told you. Oh no. So I went to Kroger to look to look at the American cupcakes because they were out the other week for Memorial Day. Bit subdued, quite rightly so, because as our friend Paul told us during part one, happy Memorial Day. It's not an appropriate thing to say happy, but you want to get some American flag stuff on things for Memorial Day, which I'm all for. I went into Tom Thumb. Still waiting for Tom Thumb to sponsor this podcast, by the way. They'll, they'll come around. Uh, I, 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 one of our listeners who works for Tom Thumb thinks they might have a problem with the cock talk segment, but they'll get used to it. Anti-caucus. Um, I went into Tom Thumb, and uh, this is just post-Memorial Day. So we're like a few days after Memorial Day, and we're about a month and two days pre-4th of July. And they've taken what they didn't sell for Memorial Day and shoved it around some 4th of July stuff. (laughs) And I was just in red, white, and blue heaven. You're like, what's the deal here? Can I rent this space? I literally, I... 
They've got the, the American flags are out before you even walk into the main oh, part of the store. Wonderful. There's like a, I don't know what you call it. You go through some doors and you're in the bit before you get into the store. Yeah, the, the bit before the store. It's like if Tom Thumb had a porch, this would be what it is, right? <laughs> well, yeah. Like where they have the shopping carts and yes. all that, right? The, the store before the store. Yeah, so in the store before the store, where previously there were just shopping carts, there are now shopping carts and big coolers that have got American flags on them. Oh, that's awesome. Then they've got some red, white, and blue just attached to the, 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 the rails of the steps. And then you go into the main store. I just had to get my phone out. I, start, I was like my friends at the fucking Friends building taking a photo of the building. I'm just like, there's America the Great Balloons red, white, and blue things. Like, I took nine or ten photos... <laughs> of a grocery store. Of a grocery store. <laughs> there was one lady who was across the way getting some apples, and I, it occurred to me on about the eighth time my camera went off, she probably thought I was creeping on her. Right. Because that was probably... And I, and I don't know if it would have been convincing, especially in my British accent, <laughs> if I'd have gone, no, I'm not taking creepy pictures of you, I'm taking pictures of the American flag balloons. <laughs> I, uh, I love that you, you know, you've now been in America for quite a few years, yeah. you know, two different stints, and your amazement at things that are like ultra american it's just like it hasn't gone down no at all because be, be, because one. because america puts out decoration for fourth of july i want that decoration for my apartment you, all year round you know when you go to times square in new york yes. and like you see all the tourists like looking up with their mouths wide open right they're so amazed at all yes. the buildings and the lights that's you at tom thumb that was me at tom thumb looking at their giant cookie in red white and blue year that, eight in america that said God bless America on it. That is exactly what I was doing. And I, um, I, uh, I took, I, I'm not exaggerating, nine or ten different pictures wow. of the balloons and the cookies and the giant cookies. <laughs> and I sent it to uh, one of my friends who's a Brit who lives in Los Angeles, uh, my friend Stephen, and he sent a reply saying, do you want me to rent you a U-Haul so you can buy all of it? He's <laughs> like, yes, uh, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was exactly like, I don't know if you're making a joke, but I'm taking that offer as deadly serious. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> exactly. All right. Um, are we done? I guess so. Did I, did, was there anything we planned that we didn't get around to? Well, of course, but <laughs> we have plenty more episodes to come. Yes. Let's hope. Did we say anything that got us canceled? No, but I think we said enough to get Tom Thumb to sponsor us. We better have. I'm trying to get this money. I mean, I could do, I could see a segment where we just do a, a you know a segment on the podcast each week where I just try and talk with a mouthful of Tom Thumb American flag cookie. <laughs> like I'm literally like I am literally for the next segment I'm literally putting America in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> well, now we know the episode of this podcast. <laughs> If you want to talk to us, you can do it at didyouamerica.com. Uh, you can also send me a message on uh, Twitter. I'm Ian Camfield on Twitter. Camfield off the radio on Instagram. Um, I would have had Ian Canfield on Instagram, but I set that account up years ago and I can't remember how to get back into it. So you that's why I'm something. Yeah, I forgot, forgot my own password. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> literally, literally. So uh, that doesn't work. So Canfield off the radio on Instagram, Ian Canfield on Twitter. One of you, these days I'll get social media and help you out. Right. Or if you want to uh, talk to us via the website, didyouamerica.com. It's also where you can vote for Song of the Week or you can get one of our lovely t shirts. How do they feel, Jeremy? Oh, so good on your nipples. Didyouamerica.com for all of that stuff. Uh, thanks for hanging out with this one today. Did we America? This ain't Did You Mexico.